First Corinthians chapter 15. I want to draw your attention tonight to verses 21 and 22. We consider these words, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection is our subject tonight. The text before us tells us that there are two comings. The coming of death and the coming of the resurrection of the dead. It also tells us that there are two experiences. There is the experience of dying when death comes. In Adam all die. And then there is the experience of being made alive when the resurrection of the dead comes. In Christ shall all be made alive. Two comings, two experiences. There are two men also that are identified with those comings and with those experiences since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, and those two men are named Adam. In Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. In this text we have the whole story of human history, the whole story of the earth's long duration over thousands of years. From the start to the finish, we have the whole story here. From Eden to the last day, from Genesis to the book of the Revelation, it is all contained here in this short text. It begins in death. It ends in life. It begins in corruption and going to the dust. And it ends with being raised incorruptible from the dust and from the dead, it begins with Eden and it ends with the last day, the resurrection day. It's, it's all here in this text and we want to think about it tonight with the words of this text, death and resurrection. I want to first of all consider with you the coming of death because it says here, by man came death. Death came. We want to think about that first. Now, there's no problem comprehending that, and I don't have to be long in explaining that, and we don't need the Bible to know this, that death came. It's so evident. It's evident by our eyes, by our experience in life, by what we see and witness all around us. Not even unbelievers can deny that. There, there's no one who doubts that. Death comes. Death comes to us all. Everyone has to say, who has lost loved ones, it came. Death came. It came to the home. It came and took our loved ones. Even the children can say, death came. It took my grandparents. And we will have to say, it took my spouse and 
Some of you maybe even can say that tonight. That it can't be stopped, the coming of death. It can't be prevented. Death comes, and it comes to us all. It comes in different ways, of course. It comes by accident sometimes, what we call accident. It comes in the disease that seizes the body. It comes in old age, and we're just done, and we, we die. It comes in, in many ways, and it comes to all. That's the thing. In Adam, all die. All die. So everybody receives this visit. Some when they're young, many when they're old. Sometimes it comes suddenly. Sometimes we know it's about to arrive. It's, it's on its route. We know it's on the road. And it's only a matter of days or weeks, perhaps, that it actually enters and takes us away. But it comes. It comes in every generation. It comes every year. It comes every day, every minute, every second. It is said that there are 56 million people die in a year. So it comes 56 million times in a year. It comes twice nearly every second. Every second, death makes two visits and comes to someone. That's over 100 people in a minute. That's some visitor, isn't it? That can make 100 powerful visits and cause such devastation in a minute. It's a mighty visitor that comes that does that. It does a lot of visitations. It never ceases, it never sleeps, it never slows. It is never prevented, and it's not a coming that we like to see. Maybe there are some visits that we like to have, but this is a visitor all men dread. All men live in the fear of. All men, as the Bible says, are in bondage all their lives because of death, the fear of death. Men live in the fear of it. So that's, that's unbelievers without a Bible. Do we need to give them a Bible just to tell them a death's coming? It's Evident. Look at the cemeteries. Look at the undertakers in the towns. Look at the morgues. Look at the hospitals. Look at the obituaries in the paper. Came death. Came death. And we have to reflect that it is coming to you as it is coming to me. And preparation has to be made. That's the thing. The best preparation is to believe the gospel. And part of the gospel is to teach us how to meet death. To meet this coming one, this one who comes to us. How to be ready for death. And that's what these verses, that's what this text is all about. It's not just to depress us. The Bible doesn't talk about death just to depress us, just for the sake of it. And people are saying about preachers, oh, you're always preaching death, you're, you're depressing, you have some kind of a, a bad attitude that you're always talking about death, you're so morbid. But it's not that we speak about death for the sake of it. It's not that we remind people about, the de about death just, just to depress them. We do so speak about death because to understand the gospel and what the gospel does, you have to understand death. You have to think about death and how death came. And that's what we're coming on to now. And this is what the apostle is doing. Why death has come. 
why there is death. And that's the second thing. The source of death. By man came death. It has its origin in man. This is why there is death. And this is why it is powerfully prevailing. Because of how it came by man. This is why it is universally prevailing. Because of the nature of this man by whom it came. The first man. The first man. The the chapter goes on to talk about the second man. But it's the first man that is the one who has caused death to be so prevailing. This is not obvious to human reason. I mean, to human reason, death has come. That's, that's, that's not a problem. Can't be denied. But unbelievers, they can't explain it. Why has it come? Why is it universal? Why is it prevalent? And that's why we need the Bible. And this is where the gospel comes in. And this is the explanation of death. That there's a, a reason. There's a source. And it's coming. And in Adam we all die. That's the reason. By man came death. This man isn't humanity. It's not by humanity that death came. It's one man. One individual man. Who is clearly identified in the Bible. Death has come to the human race. But it didn't come by the human race. It came by one man to the human race. And that man is named in our text. By Adam came death. You have to know that. You can't appreciate what Christ has done. You can't appreciate what the remedy is until you know what the malady is. And the malady is one man through his fall has brought death unto all. He is to blame. The Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And death came to him spiritually. And the seeds of physical death began to work in him too. And death took hold of him. He didn't drop dead physically immediately. It was... Many centuries later, as we know, whenever he finally did succumb to death, but its advance commenced then, when he sinned and disobeyed God and took of the forbidden fruit, then it laid its claims upon him. And so we read that whenever they ate, God came later on and said, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thy return unto the ground. Death has come Adam. You're going to go into the ground. Dust thou art and to dust thou shalt return. Death is coming Adam. And Adam died. But he didn't die alone. That's the thing. And when you read the book of Genesis. The Holy Spirit brings this out very powerfully. We read that Abel died. He was murdered in chapter 4. And then we read in chapter 5 as we begin to get the genealogies and the descendants as the centuries pass. 
We read that Adam lived 130 years. He began to beget children in his own likeness. There was Seth. And in the days of Adam, after he begotten Seth for 800 years, he begot sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. And he died. There it is. Death came. He died. And Seth lived 105 years and begot Enos. And Seth lived after he begot Enos 807 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years. A long time. But he died. He died. And, and the genealogy goes on. And, and every son born in, the, born in the likeness of Adam. The end of the story is he died. And it says it, I think, some eight or nine times there in that chapter. He died. He died. He died. Death came. By Adam. By man, death came. There it is. The Holy Spirit is imprinting it upon our minds. By one man, sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men universally. For that all had sinned. And death has reigned from Adam. And through his offense, the Bible says, many be dead. Dead. That's the story, Adam. I, I don't read that it came by God. God is sovereign. God is over all. And God has allowed death. And it grieved God. Of that I have no doubt. It grieved him. And God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It's all in his plan, of course, his sovereign plan. But it grieved him. Where art thou, Adam? Whenever I think of Adam in the garden, and God looking on at the man to whom death is coming, I think of Jesus at the graveside of Lazarus. Jesus wept. The resurrection and the life wept at the grave it's a thing to weep about the coming of death the Lord wept and yet also he mightily worked and raised Lazarus so, so this is a grief in the human race grief to us and a grief to the Lord when Adam disobeyed and that story of Christ then in the grave of Lazarus tells us that it doesn't end at the grave. That's the thing. It's not just death and the weeping of the Lord and that, that's it all. No, no. That's not the end of the story. The, the, the mighty working of Christ and the raising of Lazarus tells us that the story continues. The story has a happier ending. There's something more. Grave's not the end. Grave's not the last. That's not the end of the story. By man came death. Is not the end of the story. The end of the story is. By man came the resurrection of the dead. The renewing into life again. That's the end of the story. Through God's grace. There is the coming then of the resurrection of the dead you see. That's the third thing. The coming of death. The, the cause, the source of this, the story continuing in the grace of God, and now the coming of the resurrection of the dead. 
as by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. So, so there's this other coming. Hasn't come yet. But it surely will. It's on its way. As sure as death came, as sure as that, the resurrection of the dead shall come. It's certain. It's a matter of revelation, of course. That's not so obvious when you look around. Man can't discover that by natural revelation. You can't read in the, in the newspapers about the future resurrection. It's not believed by mankind. It's not comprehended by them. It's a matter of God's revelation. The Bible, this is why the Bible is needed to tell us this. There is the resurrection of the dead that is to come There is the experience of being made alive. We've had the experience of dying. We've had the experience of being on a deathbed. But we're also going to have the experience of being made alive again, being quickened again and raised from the dead again. A real coming. A real experience. As real, as true as the first. And so there's a day coming when all shall come forth from the graves. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, the Bible says, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Uh, Martha said, I know that he shall rise again at the last day. So this resurrection is at the last day. It's at the end. Whenever the Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. And it's the resurrection of all. Not in the same way. There's a twofold distinction between the resurrection resurrected. Paul here is speaking of the resurrection of the saints. But the dead who are not in Christ shall also be raised. A general resurrection. And that's future. And there have been foreshadowings of it in the, in the Bible. Jairus' daughter was raised by the Lord Jesus, you remember. And then the widow woman of Nain, her son, was raised. And then Lazarus that we mentioned, he was powerfully raised These people all died again. But Christ was showing that resurrection was not impossible and that he is the resurrection of the life and that he he guarantees the final and the ultimate resurrection from the dead. So there's a coming resurrection, a resurrection more powerful than the coming of death, A, a resurrection that reverses the coming of death, A resurrection that undoes all all that death did. A resurrection that brings the resurrected into an even more glorious life. A more glorious experience than they ever had before death came. One day death will make its last visit. I don't know who that person might be. But God knows. One soul or some soul ordained and Time to have the last visit by death. I suspect it may be a holy martyr. But whatever. When death has met its last visit. The great visit of the resurrection day shall come. And all shall be raised. And the experience of dying is is reversed. And, And how does this come about? And this is what Paul is saying here. There is the coming of the resurrection of the dead. How but? As death has its source, so the resurrection from the dead has its source also. As the experience of death comes through Adam, so the experience of resurrection comes also by some means 
And it's another man. Because what does the Bible say? Since by man came death, by man, not the same man, this is another man, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. This is a new man. This is a second man. This is, as the Bible says, another Adam. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So the first is, is Adam, the proto-Adam, and the last man, the eschatos Adam, the, sec- the last Adam, is Christ. Is Christ. And this, this is getting to the heart of the gospel. As in Adam all die, in, in Christ, in Christ alone. As Paul says in another place, through the offense of one, that's Adam, many be dead. Much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto all. One to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offences unto justification. For if by one man's offence death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. This is the Lord Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Now this man is no ordinary man. And he's not a mere man. But he is a true man. Paul goes on to say later on in verse 45. The first man was made a living soul. The last Adam, that's Christ. He was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual. But that which is natural. And afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man, this man that he's mentioned here in relation to the resurrection of the dead, the second man is the Lord, the Lord from heaven. The incarnation is essential. The incarnation lies at the heart of the gospel. The incarnation is necessary because by man came death. By man, therefore, only can come the resurrection of the dead and the justice of God. So the resurrection must come by man. But it is obvious that no mere man could accomplish that. The resurrection must also come by God. By the Lord from heaven who was made man, who was made flesh and came for us and who died for us. And it is by the death and sacrifice and the substitutionary work of that man that we have life. This is the heart of the gospel. And that man is one who raises all the dead. This is the Father's will which have sent me, he says. All of them which you've given me, Father, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up 
at the last day. So it is Christ who is the life, the resurrection and the life, who brings us out of death, who takes away the deadness, who deals with our unregenerate state, who saves us by his grace, who renews us, regenerating us by his spirit, and who at the end will raise us incorruptible from the grave. It is our Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer in Christ. And in Christ alone shall all be made alive. There are some who say that these verses teach universalism because it says there, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And there are those who teach that uh, the being made alive must be as extensive as those who died. And we know that all died. But it is evident to us that not all are made alive. And we know that that is so from the rest of Scripture. And the Lord Jesus Christ has made this very clear because he says that, O all men shall rise, not all rise unto life. Because it says there are some unto the resurrection of life and some unto the resurrection of damnation. So all are not made alive in the gospel sense. That eternal life, that abundant life, that spiritual, that fullness of life, that life of God in the soul and in the resurrected body. Not all have that life. And that's the teaching of the rest of Scripture. So you can't teach universalism from this verse. And even in the verse itself there, Paul says, in Christ. That's the realm and region in which this all takes place. In Christ. We were all in Adam, you see. And that's why we all died. But all men are not in Christ. All have not been baptized into Christ. All have not union to Christ. And it is only in union to Christ that they are made alive in the covenant that God has made with his Son. So this is getting to the heart of the gospel, isn't it? The real lesson tonight in closing, because what we're trying to say is you need Christ, sinner. You need a union to the Son of God. You need to be a believer in the Lord Jesus. In Christ. Are you in Christ? That's the important thing. Have you faith in the Savior? This is why the Apostle is saying this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. Not all men, but only believers. Doesn't Paul say when he speaks of that resurrection day, doesn't he say the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now the rest of the dead will be raised too. A hideous resurrection, a resurrection unto judgment, a resurrection to the everlasting night. And not a resurrection unto the everlasting light and day of God's glory. So men and women have faith in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Take hold of him. You need that union. 
with Jesus Christ.